Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring in the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. Today, we learn what makes an award-winning podcast. Last week, we went to the Publisher Podcast Awards. While we didn't win, and we will be back next time to try again, lots of other great podcasts picked up awards to recognise the blood, sweats and tears that they put into their shows. Today, we talked to Jemima Villanueva, Executive Director, EMEA of The Atlantic, who was one of the judges on the lifestyle category, and we put a simple question to her. What stood out and where was the difference in quality? The Atlantic also picked up two awards for its show Crazy Genius, which discusses a broad range of topics in technology, science and culture, from influencers to Amazon. Crazy Genius won Best Technology Podcast, as well as the Secret Award, Publisher Podcast of the Year 2020, across all categories. So that we're clear, Jemima didn't judge the categories the Atlantic was competing in. Coming up, Jemima talks us through some of the noticeable tweaks that you can hear in the show over its three seasons to explain how it got to where it is today. A quick reminder to all our listeners at home, if you'd like to jump on the podcast with me, shoot an email over to jacob at journalism.co.uk. Don't go anywhere. Jemima joins us on Skype after this quick message from the journalism.co.uk jobs board. This podcast is brought to you by journalism.co.uk. We bring you the latest jobs in the media and communications industry. Our job of the week is the part-time digital content editor position at Insurance Investment Exchange. To apply for this opportunity and more, visit our jobs board on www.journalism.co.uk forward slash jobs. Jemima, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thank you for having me. Has it has last week's result kind of sunk in yet? Obviously, The Atlantic picked up two lovely awards from the uh, Publisher Podcast Awards. How was that? I thought we stood a very good chance in the technology section. I didn't know about the surprise uh, overall uh, winner category, so that was that was amazing. Yeah, it's just about sinking in. So obviously, you come at this from two angles, one of those being the recipient of two awards with The Atlantic and the other is that, uh, Jemima, you were obviously one of the judges presiding over the awards. Um, so you must have done a lot of listening to uh, podcasting over the last couple of weeks. How many hours do you think you've got through? Well, I mean, I always listen to podcasts anyway, I'd say, but maybe a, a couple of hours a day. Not every day, but um, but yeah, I'm an avid podcaster. So, and it, it was great to be sort of forced to broaden uh, my listening scope and listen to topics that I might not have chosen before but a fun experience yeah a great fun experience it's an interesting chance to get a judge's perspective on where this battle for attention is kind of won and lost um thinking about all those podcasts that you've been listening to uh what made the difference in terms of those which grabbed your attention and kept you interested versus those where you possibly drifted off it was definitely those that had a new or unusual or interesting approach to the topic that they were covering. So um, an example of something that really surprised me uh, was the, the Telegraph's Money podcast. Now, if you'd said to me, would you listen to a financial podcast? I'd said an absolute no. But actually, it took an angle where they were looking at sort of moral dilemmas around money. So um, three flatmates, one of whom had a boyfriend who pretty much lived there, should they divide the rent four ways rather than three ways. Another topic they tackled was uh, someone who confessed to flying first class, but putting their children in in the economy section of the plane and the, the rights and wrongs of, of that. And I just found the emotional angle that they brought to a topic 
that's potentially incredibly dry um, made it a very enjoyable listen. And I listened to several additional episodes voluntarily. That's a, that's a really useful example. Was it also the relevancy of the topic? Because money is something which obviously affects all of us, but they've found a way to make it very personal and human. Yeah, it's, it is It is exactly that. You're right. It's making it personal and human. Um you know, there were um, food podcasts that I really enjoyed listening to. I, I didn't really understand how you could do food in an audio format, but, you know, I, I've learned that I'm that was my ignorance. Because it's an inherently visual topic? Yeah, it's sort of, well, it's, it's taste, smell, sight. Hard to do when you can't see it, I suppose. Uh, well, that's what I thought. But then I was being quite kind of narrow-minded in how I approached the topic of food. Whereas, obviously, when it's something super informative, like the nutritional uh, benefits to your gut bacteria of, of eating fermented products such as sourdough, for example, then you can do that in a podcast format because you can absorb a lot of information in a podcast format. But there's a balance there, I suppose, isn't there? Because there's informative, but then there's also constant information and constant overload. Where is the balance to kind of be seen in terms of having enough there to be informative, but also not being too overwhelming? I think you're right. I think you have to understand the format that you're creating for. And it does have to be, you sort of have to pause and break during the, the transmission or during the recording to allow people time to absorb that information. You're right, you can't it, you know, it's, it, it's not a, a format for a thesis on the topic. I, I had this kind of discussion with um, Jesse Thorne, an NPR podcaster recently, where he said that podcasts can't be like an essay, essentially. Would you agree? Yeah, totally, totally. And also, you know, so conversely, so we've been talking about sort of brilliant examples of podcasting. I don't think you can be lazy about your podcasting either. And certainly would never accuse any of the podcasts that I listen to of being lazy um but if the angle or the format isn't exciting then you do drift off so if you're just interviewing people it's sort of it's an example of why something like desert island disc is such an enduring format um you know essentially they are interviewing interviewing people tell me about your life but they're doing it via their choice of of, of music and that's what brings it to life and make it makes it feel different i don't particularly find just sort of straight interviews that engaging on you know in, in podcast format interesting i mean at its core i suppose a podcast is a conversation so what can you do from a production point of view in order to make that conversation a little more interesting so it's not just hammering on and it's not just a stale format i think it's a, the basic rules of interviewing that that's probably format agnostic the sort of finding a different angle discovering what makes someone tick without just sitting there and saying what makes you tick hmm. i wonder if i can be a little bit self-referential in a way with this very podcast we're doing right now so it's not just a stale q a between you and i from a production point of view what might you suggest to help elevate this and make this a little more interesting for our listeners well i take i take from that a, a, a great example um and now i'm being self-referential so our winning podcast crazy genius i love the way they used uh sound and music and sort of splicing in voices of people that they're referring to so um if they say xyz expert said this rather than the narrator just saying what the expert said they'd cut in with the voice of the expert actually saying that so it avoids what is essentially a, a one-person show becoming a monologue 
Let's take a listen. Here's a quick clip from Crazy Genius and the episode How Has Netflix Changed Entertainment in Season 3? The host, Derek Thompson, flips between narration and live interviewing almost effortlessly, and the interviewee is woven in and out of conversation. It used to be that a lot of television criticism was written the day after something aired. That's Matt Zoller's sites. He's a TV critic for New York Magazine and the editor-at-large of RogerEbert.com. He's been writing about TV for a while. Technically, I've been doing this for 22 years now. A few decades ago, TV was appointment viewing. And if you wanted to watch a particular show, you found out when it aired, and that's when you watched it. And if it came on at 8 p.m. on Thursday night, you had to sit down in front of the TV at 8 p.m. Thursday night. And if you missed it, you could see it again three to six months later when they reran it, and you had to be sitting in front of the television at 8 o'clock on Thursday night, because that's how they rolled. It sounds positively prehistoric. I, I tell my children about, about what it was like watching television when I grew up, and they're horrified. They're absolutely, it's like, it's like I'm describing like having to live on the tundra and like eat shoots and leaves. So the use of different voices and the use of sort of first party um, sort of narration and music and sound, I think it spices it up. It makes the pace more dynamic. Can you give us an insight in terms of how far that podcast has come and kind of the tweaks that you've made along the way? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not on the on the editorial team, but as a as a listener, um, I was really struck by the difference uh, by how much bolder we were in uh, seasons two and three of Crazy Genius as compared to season one. So the things that I mentioned earlier, the uh, the sort of fun use of music and sounds, and the thing that you referred to with sort of cutting to a guest and then cutting back to Derek Thompson. That's something that really uh, materialized as we as we got braver and more experienced. Um, they're, they're almost non-comparable sort of season one to season three. I'm not in positions to speak for editorial, but but I know that we had the, the confidence and the support internally uh, to, to be a bit bolder and more experimental in, in our production uh, of, of season three. Take this episode from season one, for example, called Our Smartphones Ruining Our Lives. It has a lot of the core ingredients that we see in season three, lively interchange, catchy music, and an interesting angle on the topic, which we discussed the importance of. But you can tell that season three is just that little bit snappier. So this is the internet addiction test, an abbreviated version. Oh God, I'm nervous. So the way it goes is this. You have to select the response that best represents the frequency of each of the behaviors I'm about to read from zero not applicable to five always. This is Adam Alter. He's a psychology professor at NYU and the author of a book about behavioral addiction and technology called Irresistible. Today, he's trying to figure out if I'm addicted to my phone. How often do you find that you stay online longer than you intended? Four. How often do you lose sleep because of late night logins? At three. How often do others in your life complain? How often do you find yourself saying just a few minutes? I would say four. How often do you check your email before something else? How often do you find... That has to be a five, unfortunately. Okay. Oh, God. Okay, so... So you were responding between frequently and always on pretty much every question. Looking at your awards right now, which are probably nicely displayed on your mantelpiece, proof of concept, right? Yeah, I mean, it brings um, it brings new audiences to the Atlantic. It allows us to cover topics in a way uh, that you can't always do in uh, you know in, in print and online. 
what kind of topics out of interest? So on uh, March the 12th, we launch our brand new podcast for 2020, and it's called Floodlines. It explores the really the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. I can't believe it was 15 years ago. It basically explores the aftermath of, of Hurricane Katrina in, in New Orleans, but very much through following the personal stories of, of people who, who, who suffered and who... Uh, lacked kind of organized uh, support from, uh, you know, the American government and uh, and how, as so many of these disasters do, how it so disproportionately affected certain uh, you know, sectors of the population, for example, the impoverished. Exactly. With, with that podcast, what was it about it which you felt was particularly special or, some, or in a way that you couldn't have done in another way? To get those interviews with characters from local communities to hear their voices, to hear the emotion in their voices, to hear it narrated uh, first person is incredibly powerful. You know, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I very first heard the, the topic, I thought, eh, you know, mildly interesting. I'm sure it's going to be well done because it's done by The Atlantic. But when I, I've heard clips, I mean, I'm just spellbound. I th- just, I know I'll be crying when I listen to it. Because there's a way, there's an inherent way that someone articulates something which conveys emotion and conveys proximity to a talking point and a problem. Mm, yeah, and, and you, you, you cannot always convey that in the, the written word. Podcasts are enjoying a massive boom at the moment. Do you see that slowing down at all? No, 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 not at all. I, on the contrary, from my experience, I would say um, they're growing. I even see it among my, my immediate circle, you know, people who I know who a year ago or six months ago said they didn't listen to podcasts now do uh, i think you know look outside the us and, and the uk and there's so much more um non-english language content space to fill um around the rest of the world you know with more and more people sort of in you know, doing busy commutes in crowded cities podcasts are the perfect sort of hands-free screen-free media I agree because I've got a, an hour bus journey in the morning and it's, it seems to fit in quite well. You can fit in sort of two episodes, depending on the length. How does the Atlantic intend to take full advantage of this podcast boom? What's the future for you? We've heavily recruited to increase um, the size of the department. We are launching a brand new podcast uh, in a few days' time. It's, it's you know, we've also begun sort of, uh, you know, audio recording of all our um, major articles. We launched our first um, smart speaker skill last year as well. Um, it was called the Atlantic's Daily Idea. Um, so Monday to Friday, uh, every day for four months, our um, skill subscribers would receive a, a single illuminating idea on a variety of topics to sort of spark conversation for the day. So I know that's not directly podcast, but it's in the, in the medium of audio. So audio in general is a big growth area for us. And will we see uh, season four of Crazy Genius soon? I don't know. I've been asking that question. I really, really hope so. I, I can't imagine we wouldn't. But again, I don't I don't get to make, unfortunately, I don't get to make final editorial decisions. But yeah, fingers crossed. I'll let you know. Coming sort of a little bit full circle here, the synthesis of the two experiences from the Publisher Podcast Awards as a judge, having won the um, awards as well, what would be kind of your main advice for listeners um, tuning in at the moment? in terms of how do you produce an award-winning podcast? 
I mean, I guess it's rules that tend to apply to content production in general, but don't just produce a podcast for, for podcast sake. Just Don't just sort of jump on the bandwagon and feel that you need to complement whatever else you're doing for your brand. It really has to be something different. Be a bit brave, not so literal. Um yeah, experiment in a in a in this medium while it's still at a sort of stage and size where you can experiment. So deviate slightly from what you might do normally. Yeah, exactly. Find a different angle. Don't be so literal. Thinking kind of at the intersection between podcasts and journalism, how true can you be to kind of purist values with journalism in podcasts? Oh, you certainly need to fact check as you do with journalism you certainly need to uh you know stay true to your core um media the, the core values of your brand you know that was something that came through a lot in in the podcast as well if they were an extension of the core brand that kind of added to the strength of the brand creating those podcasts so stay mm. stay on brand make you know for us it would be keep it atlanticy Atlantic-y. What does that mean to you, out of interest? I mean, I guess, what does Atlantic-y mean? Atlantic-y means um, taking a moment to look up and look ahead and ascertain what is the higher perspective on the topic that you're covering. The obvious question then is, how are your podcasts Atlantic-y? Well, it's the same, you know, it's not, um, we're not beholden to the news cycle. There's no urgent need to publish immediately it's taking time to to step back and see what the bigger picture is you know that's what we apply to our editorial and it's what we apply when we're working with with partners we you can't be a successful leader without having some kind of vision you know to to understand what is going to make you stand out from the crowd well i've certainly taken away quite a lot from this conversation and i and i think back to what you said about not doing podcasts just for the sake of doing podcasts um i think that's the main thing i've taken from it but there's lots of other great advice in there as well jemima it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and uh thank you very much for your time oh well, thank you so much for inviting me i really enjoyed chatting to you Lots of useful advice there for me to go away and think about, and I hope you found it useful too. Thanks to you at home or on the commute for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can search and subscribe to the journalism.co.uk podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Crazy Genius is produced by The Atlantic, and the clips in today's episode were used with permission from the publisher. Don't forget that our next digital journalism conference, News Rewired, is taking place on the 4th of June 2020 at Media City UK in Salford, Greater Manchester. Lots of interesting panels and workshops in the pipeline as you can learn what revenue stream is best suited for your newsroom and how to implement an AI strategy. For the full agenda and tickets, visit newsrewired.com. My email again, if you'd like to jump on our podcast, is jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for today. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Until next time.